Welcome to Translator City Radio. This is your host, Robert Rogie with Zingwer.com, where translators sign up to get great jobs. Today's guest is John Morin from Wilt.com, the new cat tool that integrates machine translation using an auto-suggest feature. And we'll be talking about Google's major announcement claiming that their neural machine translation technology is groundbreaking and nearing human quality translations. Just a reminder, you can find the podcast on iTunes, in social media, or at zingwer.com slash translator-city-radio, or on the blog. You can leave a question or comment on the radio page, and we'll stick it in the next podcast. At Zingword, we're currently hard at work to start beta testing. Follow us on Twitter at Zingword, or on Facebook, to make sure you get your launch notification. Music for today's podcast is by Vaporwave Outfit Spree, the song Pizza Day, from their album Summer Night. Pick that album up for the last days of this Indian summer. So before John joins us on the podcast, we'll take a cruise down Monologue Road and go into this topic of machine translation a little bit. According to Wired Magazine, the deep neural network, or deep learning, that powered Google's AlphaGo program, which defeated Go champion Lee Settle from Korea, is now improving Google's machine translation, currently available in Chinese to English. For those listeners who know little of the strategy board game Go, it's an insanely difficult game to master that requires a great deal of intuition, in addition to the cold calculation that's prominent in chess. It's no surprise, then, when Google says that translation errors will be reduced by as much as 60%. In related news, Google, Facebook, Amazon, IBM, and Microsoft announced a partnership almost on the same day called the Partnership on Artificial Intelligence to Benefit People and Society. This partnership is meant to conduct research, recommend best practices, and publish research under an open license in areas such as ethics, fairness, and inclusivity, transparency, privacy, and interoperability, collaboration between people and AI systems, and the trustworthiness, reliability, and robustness of the technology, end quote. They have written eight rules for AI that bring to mind Asimov's three rules of robotics. Will this group lobby the government for loose regulation, or will they really focus on human issues? And does this mean we're going to see AI in our lifetime? In popular culture, the film Her, directed by Spike Jones and starring Zingward favorite Joaquin Phoenix, captures a hypothetical singularity event, that much theorized about moment when a machine begins to truly think for itself. The film brought a more nuanced notion of the singularity event into popular culture. Did it change the way we think of artificial intelligence? How will AI feel? Will it be bored? How fast will it learn? Will it like us? Meanwhile, simulated world theory has taken philosophers and the rest of us on an exercise in existentialism. It is no longer possible to mathematically eliminate the possibility that we are living in a simulated world, our existence itself just a simulation of existence. Elon Musk, whose $1 billion artificial intelligence lab is ominously not participating in the Don't Be Evil super team, has stated that he is certain we are living in a simulated world. Moreover, roboticized factories, buildings, bricklayers, and much more uh, have to do with the decline of manufacturing and construction jobs, and we can only assume that this will continue. But for today, we're tackling machine translation. The profound nature of language in the human brain has put translation, in its own small way, 
on the path to artificial intelligence. Is it a digression to talk about AI? Of course it is, but we're years ahead of time at Zingword. Uh, should translators be worried about machine translation in the wake of Google's announcement? That's the question. Our conclusion, Google still has a long ways to go. So without further ado, uh, let's start the interview with John. Joining me today is John Morin uh, with Lilt.com, which is a new cat tool that uh, allows you to uh, use machine translation as you go uh, with a sort of auto-suggest feature um, that helps translators to improve their productivity. So how are you doing? Really good. Thanks. Thanks, Robert. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. Um, we've been, uh, you know, eagerly following developments with, uh, with Lilt, uh, and keeping our eye on what you are doing there. So it's, it's really exciting to have you on the show. Uh, Thanks. yeah. So, uh, we're actually going to start by talking about, um, the Google neural machine translation, uh, announcement, uh, which they made yesterday or was it yesterday or was it the day before yesterday? Yeah, I, I saw it on Slater, um, yeah. Slater.com. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure when they actually published the paper. But right. uh, anyway, it's very recent, yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I saw it on Flipboard, actually. I don't know if you use Flipboard's this app for news. But uh, cool. So, um, so let's start by summarizing the announcement. Um, do you want to summarize it or should I summarize it? Um, yeah, I can, I can try. Um, yeah, I think maybe better you than me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Google recently announced that for one language pair, I believe for Chinese to English, they are now using, um, a different technique to produce their machine translation. Um, so for, for a translator who's going from, who's translating from Chinese to English, they should see, uh, uh, a jump in the quality of the machine translation that's provided. Um, so uh, if you if you go to machine translation conferences, the um, the researchers that present at translation conferences typically present present their results using uh, a string comparison metric called uh, Blue Score, B L E U, like mm -hmm. in the French Blue. Um, and they, so, you know, researchers who rock up to a conference will very often have a, you know, a gain of one or one, or, one or two blue scores, one or 2%. So, mm -hmm. uh, it's usually measured between zero and one. Um, uh, but the, uh, Google announcement is something closer to four blue score point improvements. And that's really quite significant. So it, it's, um, it's an indication that the underlying, uh, well, the, the, the quality of, of Google's MT is better. Um, it's not clear at the moment to what extent, I mean, how do you, how do you measure how good machine translation is? So let's say you can translate at 500 words an hour using Google, does that mean that now you'll be able to translate at 600 words per hour? We don't exactly know what that is. Right, right. 
but um, but it's definitely moving in the right direction. And I'm sure um, in in the near future we should start to see Google implementing Neural MT for um, for other languages as well. Right, right, right. Yeah, because yeah. I'm I'm looking at this uh, at this graph that they uh, that they published. At least I'm assuming that they published it because all the all the news stories about it have the graph. And um, so the translation quality, it's, well, it's ranked on a scale of zero to six on this graph, where six is a perfect translation. Um, but then it actually has human translation is not a perfect translation. So yeah, I'm not absolutely. To be honest with you, I, I was talking to one of the guys this morning about it. We weren't. It's not really that clearly explained how they did their their human evaluation. Yeah, yeah, um, it seems funny to me. You know, it seems like well, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> I mean, the the reality is, for a translator, all you have to do is, um, you know, copy and paste the text into Google and and look. Um, I, I think you're still going to see. I mean, the thing about Lilt is it works using interactive MT. So even if the machine translation isn't perfect, you still get to benefit from like words and phrases. It it tries to finish your sentences for you, basically. Right, right. Um. So so we're not like. With with Google, you're pretty much forced into a post editing mode. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so, um, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, <clears throat> machine translation is is hard to get right. You know, all the time, mm -hmm. human language is just far too complex to to do it. So, um, I mean, you can use machine, you can use Google to gist, and some people use it to post edit, but yeah. um, it's 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 never going to be like as good as you or I would translate. I think you do Spanish and I do, I do German to English. And yeah. there's just, there's just no chance that MT is ever going to, you know, replace right. us. <laughs> yeah. Because the, it's, I mean, the, the graph that they published with this is really strange because, uh, okay. So like it has, I don't Are know. Are you looking at the paper itself or? No, I'm looking at a, at a story actually, but all the stories had the, this graph that I'm looking it, at. Okay. So it's probably the one that I saw, uh, that Florian did on, on Slater. So yeah, I think so. I think it's with the um, bars. Um, okay. So on the, the paper itself. Yeah. Bars, okay. Cause I, I have a, I have a, a table with relative improvements like English to Spanish PBMT. Oh, I saw that one too. Yeah. So that was the one that that was on Slater. Um, yeah, and we weren't. That was the thing we couldn't quite understand is um, right what the um, what they mean by relative improvement. Because then they they have a, a caveat that says note that we observed what was it? Yeah, <laughs> that human readers, even though fluent in both languages, do not necessarily fully understand each randomly sampled sentence sufficiently. Yeah, and necessarily generate the best possible translation. I, I saw know. that too, and I thought, well, that doesn't sound, sound like, like they. It is. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like a professional evaluation at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or dogs or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this bar graph is uh, is pretty crazy because it it okay. So it has three lines, four lines. It has perfect translation, which is a six. It has, uh, and then it has different, it has six different languages, and then it has a line for human, a line for the neural, the, the new technology they, they launched, and then the previous one, the phrase-based. Yeah, and on the y-axis, it's got count total 500. So there was 500 sampled sentences in the evaluation. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Because 
Because here it's showing, for example, that Spanish to English, it says that phrase based on the graph I'm looking at was uh, actually, you know, really close to uh, human uh, quality, which is crazy. Maybe I'm looking at I I, I saw it because um, I, I didn't read the paper, but I read, I don't know, maybe nine or ten stories about it. And maybe half of them had this graph in it. So it must come from somewhere. Phrase based yeah, on the graph the I'm thing, looking at yeah, was I mean, uh, actually there was a, you know really close to so uh, human it, you know uh, quality, Google, which is Google crazy. This is announcement that MT that is as good as human quality. Um, you know, no, you're going to click because you're because you're inquisitive. I certainly um, and then you kind of go down to it, and what they're saying is that uh, according to whatever way we rated it, it was equipped. Um, you know, bottom line is. Um, upload a Chinese document, translate it, have a look at, have a look at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they'll have the, they'll have it available in other languages, I guess, shortly. Um, yeah. Which is, uh, then, then we can all, all try it out. Um, but yeah, and then I saw uh, elsewhere that, I mean, they're claiming that it's like 85% or something perfect. Yeah, but how do you? Yeah, what, how do what, you? But, you know, so, um, I mean, a, a, a four-point blue score improvement is, is, I mean, you have a fairly good idea of what Google Translate is like right now, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so a four-point blue, blue, blue score improvement is, is, is no, it, it, like, you'll notice it, absolutely, but it's not, not a game changer, right? It's not a game changer. I mean, <laughs> not according to my definition of the word game changer. <laughs> right, right, right. So um, so I think that a lot of translators that are listening um, are probably, uh, you know, worried, uh, first of all, because a lot of people are worried about uh, Google Translate, uh, you know, becoming perfect and, and automating away all the, all the translation jobs, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I guess, uh, you know, from your point of view, um, like, how close do you think this takes uh, machine translation to a perfect uh, human quality translation? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, okay, so I do have, a, you know, a background. I've managed an agency in Dublin uh, called mm -hmm. Transpiral. Um, and, you know, I've seen a lot of work come through that agency and um, in terms of like the amount of work that we would pre-translate with Google Translate and then send out to the translator for some like post-editing, I mean that's sometimes that happens, but it's very rare. Mm -hmm. um, the the we we can't tell what happens upstream in the company. So we had um, actually because I'm not really involved with the company now, but I do get calls every once in a while if I if there's something related to machine translation. And there was a customer came in with a document for um, uh, a 4G, like a, a telecoms document. And it was much, it was a very large document. They didn't know, they'd never worked with an agency before. So they didn't, they didn't know what it would cost. And there's no agency, like what they were expecting to pay. No agency in the world would do it, right? So mm -hmm. this um, is a typical scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so that was fine. We just said, look, um, if you want to, you can just put it through Google Translate and we can charge you for an hour or two just to show you how to do that. And because um, it is tricky for a large document, you have to save it as HTML and the rest. Mm -hmm. So um, 
uh, yeah, I mean, they didn't get back to us, but the, the point in more general terms is that it's, it's actually very unusual. Um, there are obviously translators who are using machine translation themselves and mm -hmm. some eschew it, some love it. Um, but, uh, in terms of it taking anyone's job, I mean, the only way I see that, and I, I did hear this comment before that there is, you know, that, that Google translate is silently, you know, sort of being used for documents that probably would have gone for human translation. But a lot of the time before it goes to an agency or before it goes directly to a translator, there has to be a real, like a very tangible economic value to the document. Mm -hmm. And if it has that, if it has that tangible economic value, then, you know, I mean, are you really going to take the risk that you could end up with a very serious mistranslation. I mean, mach statistical machine translation is famous for like leaving out the word not in a sentence, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> do not kill the patient. <laughs> Gets translated as do kill the patient, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I have exactly uh, this problem uh, on the uh, site where I order food to get sent to my house. <laughs> like, uh, it, it, yeah, it's exactly that. Like when they're, when they're open, uh, it translates them as closed um, because <laughs> of this word, not. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. like in, in terms of timeline, I mean, um, so it's, it's a four point blue score jump, right? Like yeah. uh, how close does this take us to the next big jump or, you know, I, I, it's very hard for me to predict that. Yeah. Um, because I'm not really a I'm not really an MT scientist. I don't yeah. develop the algorithms that 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 you know Spence and Sasha and Euron, the other guys that I work with, yeah. and, and John as well, develop. So I'm you know I I'm more like a fanboy of of the guys that do the the machine learning. Um, but you know I don't th in terms of like I have been involved with machine translation with with uh, the research institute that I worked with in Dublin, uh, the Center for Next Generation Localization, which is now called ADAPT. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I mean, okay, when I started with ADAPT, that was five years ago, um, I was think I developed this software that measures how much faster you are when you translate by deleting half the machine translation proposals and keeping a record of the time and the segments and you can you can press a button and see that you're 30% faster or in a lot of cases, 10% slower. So machine translation um, can slow you down if you get distracted by it. Um, so the, um, yeah, so I've been talking to these guys, but in terms of, in terms of like what the next big jump is, I mean, Lilt is obviously, so Lilt is like two or three jumps, but they're, they're, it's, the, the problem with statistical machine translation is it's basically about the besideness of words. Mm -hmm. So how they appear in the context of each other bilingually. And it's not obvious how you go from that into real world knowledge. So mm -hmm. um, things like ontologies of like the mammal or the animal kingdom, that's, that's reasonably easy to uh, put into a database structure, mm -hmm. um, what they call an ontology. But, uh, you know... <laughs> human the human reality is a very messy reality <laughs> yeah, yeah so so how do you how do you model like everything <laughs> yeah yeah and you know this is where like you mentioned clickbait earlier with the google announcement and man is it clickbait and uh 
you know, it's it's like deep learning and da 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 da, and yeah. uh, you know, it gives the casual uh, reader the idea that uh, that that this thing is like <laughs> really amazing, <laughs> and it's going to have uh, the ability to make those connections and. You know, you know. Actually, I, I feel quite differently about it. I, I, my worldview is that there's no, there are very few jobs that are as that that require, like, really advanced thinking as translation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can't take somebody out of secondary school and train them to be a good translator. They have to have college level German or English or, mm-hmm. um, you know, they have to have their target language at least in the in the at college level, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and then it helps if they're technically specialized to to know something about what they're translating or at least have the you know the experience to be able to research what they don't know and know when they mm-hmm. don't know um like so you, you know how do you how do you get around that how, how do you program software to yeah uh, that depth of knowledge or experience <laughs> yeah yeah totally um you know i'm i'm actually a creative creative writer and um when when I translate, um, usually I'm doing uh, like marketing texts or things things that require a certain amount of uh, creativity or what people call transcreation. And uh, you know, for me, it's like it, it just seems impossible that a machine could do it. Yeah. But the the thing that I, that I do wonder about is, um, you know, like especially okay. So we have like uh, millennials coming up now that. Um, you know, we're always railing on millennials. It's, <laughs> it's too bad for millennials, but, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that don't, uh, do spell. And, what's that? that? You do realize they're probably better educated than we were at that age. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Like they're like, uh, the millennial family better. members of mine are super sharp. Yeah. I mean, super sharp. Um, but when it comes to language, uh, you know, they're, they're, I don't know, really accustomed to like tech speak and, um, that, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I, I do wonder like, uh, at what point will, um, you know, society's expectations of their, of the content drop and hopefully not, you know, like, uh, but I, I just wonder if at some point, uh, it will be normal for a person to go to a website and the content is not perfect and there's mistakes in it. And if it would ever happen that, that they would be okay with that. Yeah, um, it's funny. I mean, I always wonder, are we, you know, are we passing through the end of the golden age of quality? Um, I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. So, um, you know, okay, so on one side, we've got Google Translate, which you can use just to press translate in your browser, and you can read the website. And nine times out of 10, it gives you whatever information you need, right? Mm-hmm. You know, where the hotel is, or how much it costs, or whatever. Um, but, um yeah, my, I always think it's funny. My parents had a, a really, really glossy, I'm going to bring it to a conference at some point if I can find it. It's a really glossy um, uh, tourist guide to Corsica, which is like my favorite place to visit. And um, it was obviously, it was written in the 60s. And mm-hmm. it was obviously written by somebody who was not a native speaker of English and was a native speaker of French. Yeah. So you can barely understand it. And it, <laughs> it, it, it an opposite, you know, the, on one side you've got this terrible like franglais, and then on the other side you've got this incredibly glossy um, tourist guide with all these amazing pictures. Yeah. Um, so, so I mean, in the past it was pretty common for companies to work with non-native speakers. Yeah. And only in the last, I think, twenty years that that the orthodoxy has developed that 
native speakers are a better fit for most translations, not all. Um, in fact, we've had really good experience with non-native speakers doing review work and certain types of technical translation. Um, but they're unusually, they have to be unusually good at the target language. Yeah. Um, but but the um, the uh, yes. So so I, I do think that there is a in, in that generation maybe there is a bit more tolerance for um, you know f f for imperfection for certain things, and they'll understand it if they're going on to TripAdvisor or something like that. But I don't know that a twenty nine year old um, electronics engineer building a medical device will accept anything other than close to perfection. I mean, I'm not talking mm -hmm. about typos, but I'm talking about like, you know, not leaving out the word not and, yeah. you know, in, in, in a, a technical specification for the firmware for, uh, I don't know, something that is used to in, implant stents or something like that. Right. Right. Like yeah. Like I, I, I would hope not. And uh, and and also, I mean, there's no reason why we should think that if you know if people use uh, language, uh, you know, not very, I guess, strictly in their personal lives, it doesn't mean that they don't have high expectations when they're when they're consuming content that they you know want to be professional or that they Ex expect to be exactly. professional. Exactly. Know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. So for translators. Um, you know, I, I do also wonder, because, okay, so we have Lilt, uh, which is, you know, helping translators to use uh, machine translation while not really intruding necessarily mm -hmm. on, on their own translation work, right? Um, because it's kind of like auto-suggest, it's not post-editing. Yeah, um, but yeah. I, I mean, I, now I should, I should say that there is a shift enter button, so you can post-edit. Right. Um, but it's um, the usual mode that people work in is they hit tab or... Enter to to accept the the next word or the next phrase or the suggestion. Finish the yeah the suggestion yeah, yeah. right right. Um, but I do wonder like uh, for people who who aren't using Lilt, if because um, you know there's a lot of uh, blowback um, from translators about post editing, and uh, in yeah. in my experience it's, it's a lot like you said like it can make you slower. And uh, in my experience running uh, some projects. A couple of years ago, um, that was certainly certainly the case. We tried to try to do it, and it didn't work. And I and I understand too that um, that it you know it's uncomfortable for translators. Maybe they they feel um, devalued by having to wade through the the you know bad output of of their Google Translate. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. You know, nobody nobody likes to start with a mess. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. It's it, uh, yeah. But uh, I do wonder if uh, if you know this four point blue score jump and w when they have it available and all the other languages, which we can only assume that that will be soon, right? Um, I wonder if the perceptions are of post editing are going to change now. If the quality well, jump is enough to make it become the new standard for translation. Okay, so I mean, at the risk of sounding like the sales guy, um, which I sort of <laughs> so, um, so I mean, to answer that question, I'd have to point to what Lilt does. So it's not not just that we we provide the um, the auto suggest, but we also adapt um, the machine translation, and we do it on two levels. Mm -hmm. So the first level is you upload a, a translation memory, a TMX file, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be, it's like the bigger, the better. 20,000 segments is what we recommend as a minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, so Google, you can't do that with Google, right? And right, right. Um, now you can do it with Microsoft Translator Hub, but um, then you don't get Neural because Microsoft Translator Hub don't have Neural and we will have Neural next year. Um, yeah, although they claim to be working on it. Yeah, and they and they will have it, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's a tough technology. It's not just um, it's not getting the getting the um, the increase in the blue score is one thing, but it's providing it quickly is the other. Yeah, um, with the GPUs and the TPUs and, yeah. and the processing yeah. power and stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, and and we, I mean, for us, it's even more critical because when you're typing, uh, and this is kind of amazing when you think about it. So as you're typing your word in Lilt, um, you. You've got two keystrokes and we have to go back to the server and consult like, you know, this 150 gigabyte, you know, it's like, I don't know, half the size of some hard drives. Um, it's this model that we keep in memory. So it's a really expensive server. We have to pay a lot of money for the for the RAM on the server. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, it comes back to the translator in the time it takes them to, to type those two keystrokes. So we don't just have to be fast in terms of the full sentence prediction in the segment, we have to be fast enough to keep up with their typing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so and if you look at, like, if you look at Big Global um, from SDL, they've got adaptive, but that can take, you know, do a screen recording, get out, a, you know, a stopwatch and look at how fast the, mm-hmm. it takes a second sometimes for the, for the segment to populate. It's not the end of the world. You can. Right have a little holiday for two seconds. <laughs> right, right. And so the, you know, for the Google, the Google, um, the GNMT, um, you know, it's be, actually pretty honest. impressive that that they can do it at scale like that. Because, they're you know, they're, the scale for Lilt, you know, is, is a little, is, uh, even though, you know, it, it might be a much better way to, to work, which I'm sure it is, but the scale is a lot smaller because, you know, when, sure. when Google deploys it on Google translate, it has to be like a uh, super scale, you know, because, uh, I don't know how many millions of words they're doing. Um, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, so John De Niro and, um, Spence Green actually met while they worked on Google translate and, um, Franz Och is our advisor. So, um, you know, we have, I would say Google, uh, there's a certain amount of sort of Google technology in our DNA, Yeah. Uh, though we have no formal connection to the company, um, uh, though we do some, we, we do use their, their platform. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, um, yeah, so the question is, does, does the blue score improvement outweigh the advantage of the adaptivity? So, so there's two levels of adaptivity is the one is the, the upload, the translation memory and the second is as you're working as a translator, um, the sentence that you translated last or the, the few pages that you translated last, mm-hmm. it's adapting to that as well. And it's not just adapting trivially, it's, it's you know, it's, it's getting the, the tense of the verb right or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of complexity that went into that. So at the moment, it's, all, you know, it's, it, what I can say is that, that the benefit of the adaptivity is a good deal higher than what you get from the neural baseline. Right, right. Uh, so, so you'll still get, I mean, if you don't upload a translation memory and you're on your first sentence in the document, then the quality for, we don't do Chinese English right now, we do English to Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But let's say we did, then I'd accept, okay, in that case, maybe we're a little bit worse than Google, but that's just the baseline. That's just before you started the translation and you haven't uploaded your translation memory. So. Right, right. Hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think it's also interesting too, the, uh, we, we didn't plan to talk about this, but there's like uh, upstream and downstream prices. And I, and I think that this is really um, interesting for the translation industry. So it's like uh, in economics, you have like upstream prices. So, um, well, uh, how do we explain this? So like, let's say that you are uh, building a house and then you're going to sell the house and the cost of the wood uh, that you're going to use to build your house drops, right? Um, so does that mean that the cost of the house that you build using that wood is also going to drop? Um, and what, what you find is that it's called, it's actually called asynchronous price transmission. So the, you know, the materials or the, you know, your costs going into something, um, don't immediately reflect themselves on the price at which you sell something. Yeah. And, uh, but over time, uh, you know, it happens. So, yeah. and, and any, anytime I'm thinking about productivity, so like, uh, you know, if Lilt makes translators 50% faster, yeah. Um, you know, which translator, what's that? To the <laughs> which it does for some translators, according to the, t the tweet stream. Right. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. You know, and, uh, but if it does, um, you know, and the translator charges their, their per word rate that they were previously charging, then, then they're actually earning more. And, yeah. uh, but over time, you know, I think that we can expect that these productivity gains, will um, lower the cost of translation for they don't necessarily um they don't necessarily earn more in total dollar or euro terms i, I had a lunch, had lunch with a translator who popped up on our um mm -hmm. support feed because she lived two streets down from me here and I, I live in heidhausen in munich um that's, and, that's a nice uh, coincidence <laughs> yeah it was yeah it was cool so i just said listen do you want to meet for lunch i'd like to meet a, a user face to face other than myself yeah and um she's a she studied music she did a master's in music um and she teaches uh i can't remember the name but it's very arcane um a percussion instrument mm -hmm. and she loves playing it and she, she said look hey um i to be honest with you i don't go looking for more work because i'm more productive at lilt it's just i i spend more time playing this instrument <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Well, you I, know. I, I do, take, do take your point. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, I'd say, you know, it, it, there are, I don't know, maybe a million translators in the world and we don't have a million users. So, you know, if everybody was using Lilt or everybody was using whatever it is that makes them faster, um, then, you know, maybe that would have an impact on pricing. And, and there's definitely, I mean, I've been watching prices for 20 years um, for German English and I haven't seen them fall, but I haven't seen them go up. And, mm -hmm. and I have seen price of a pint of beer or a liter of milk increase. So relative to inflation, there has certainly been an absolute price drop um, in, in terms of the price per word. For German English, let's yeah. call it the technical stuff, the stuff that I kind of would specialize in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen that too. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, I mean, I'll tell you what I find interesting, actually, about, about the whole productivity thing is that with machine translation, in a way, the way it boils down is if the translator has access to the technology or the means of, of 
production, to use a Marxian term, mm-hmm. um, then they can they can benefit from that in in words per hour. And they so in so in concrete terms, that means you log on to Lilt and then you're a customer of Lilt, right? But yeah. if you're coming into Lilt via an agency and it's a an anonymous ID, and the agency was the one that mm-hmm. uploaded the translation, which they haven't given to you. Um, and they're providing you with Lilt. Well, I mean, you kind of it's have it is it's what I call take it or leave it economics. You basically you can accept the job or you can turn it down. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and no one's got a gun to your head. So um, I think the the bottom line is if the agency is providing you with something that makes it possible for you to be more productive, genuinely more productive without impacting on your quality, then um, then I think it is, I don't want to say fair because I don't like the word fair with money, but mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's rational to yeah. the discount. Um, yeah, I guess so. But it, it is a thing with means of production, like you said, it, which fits kind of into the upstream, downstream pricing, you know. And, uh, but it, yeah, I mean, translators that are, that are um, using the technology uh, themselves, uh, for sure, they get the, the benefits of that. And, and if you're, you know, cause they don't have to take a discount on the, on the, on the work, which is, which yeah. is good for them. And, right. And, and another thing, cause I mean, we have a few people on the call, um, who might be curious about it. There's, um, I've been going to a lot of conferences the last two years and talking about speech recognition. I, sh- I gave a, a full day workshop for the ITI, uh, back in April. Um, realistically, like realistically, you can double your productivity for certain types of texts using speech recognition mm-hmm. and it, it works really well with Lilt, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, one of the pain in the ass parts of dictating into your cat tool is dealing with tags. If you've got like two or three formatting tags in a sentence, they really trip you up. And mm-hmm. um, so a lot of times translators will just dictate the sentence and then copy paste the tags or insert using a keyboard Mm-hmm. a keystroke um and okay that's that's um better than having to you know select the tag and copy and paste it with the mouse mm-hmm. but nonetheless it's still a pain in the ass so what's awesome about lilt is that you can simply dictate your translation and what you find is you're looking at the machine translation for inspiration as you as you dictate and mm-hmm. you'll even find yourself just sort of hitting shift enter if the mt is going to finish it for you anyway so you don't even have to say the end of the sentence yeah um, but the other thing is that you don't have to deal with tags thank god right so, right so um yeah so but what i wanted to say in terms of speech recognition and uh and word prices is that the thing i love most and this is speaking as somebody who used to manage an agency the thing i love most about speech recognition is that you can't really ask a translator for a discount mm-hmm for using speech recognition because they're the one that goes to you know nuances web page downloads the speech recognition system and uses it so so they the means of production is completely theirs right yeah 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 so, totally oh, I, yeah. I, I, so that, that, that's, yeah yeah sorry go on yeah uh yeah no i just love the i love it that you brought up means of production i actually submitted a, an article uh which was a actually I, I made a kind of a Marxian analysis of the translation industry and I submitted it to the I think it was translationjournal.net. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, I'm very interested in, in the subject. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, there, there's a lot of translators that uh, 
Um, and there's some that, that are very uh, shrill, actually, on the internet. And uh, and they're like, well, you know, like the discount, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, if it's yours, then you don't take a discount. You just work yeah. faster, you know. Yeah. And that's exactly. that's better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Um, uh, in another podcast, my ex-co-host, uh, Jean Michel, who had to uh, quit translation, actually, because he moved back to Switzerland. And, uh, you know, he couldn't afford to live in Switzerland as a translator. Um, we were talking about it and, uh, about speech recognition. And he said that it would be great to, uh, you know, to use speech recognition and to be mobile and to have, uh, we were talking about like a virtual reality headset on and I'm so, I'm you know, totally imagining funny, someone with, what's that? Yeah. It's funny you said, you mentioning the virtual reality. Cause I, I have this, um, group on Facebook that I just set up on a whim. It's got like a thousand people in it now, a thousand translators. Yeah. Well, technical translators and it's been interesting for me sort of posting stuff i started posting anything i could think of that had a kind of a visual image associated with it yeah um because i knew i was going to be talking about machine translated translation later and it's hard to associate that with something visual mm -hmm. um so things like like crazy chairs and stuff like that but yeah um i had this idea in my head of you know sitting at a pool with like microsoft hololens on my head and dictating my translation and you know doing my research by moving my hands and stuff yeah so I posted that and nobody was interested. <laughs> yeah. And maybe it's like the wrong time of the day, but it, it, it got no traction on the, um, on the on group. The, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's fascinating. I mean, what I'm seeing actually myself is like a, you know, like when you're presenting and you have like a clicker in your hand to go to the next slide, that, that, that clicker would be like accepting the suggestion and then the dictating yeah. is there. And then, I mean, you could be like sitting back in a lounge chair with your clicker and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, dictating no, I mean, your I, translation. And, uh... like my, my six year old is in next door um, playing Minecraft and like, he's very sophisticated at, at that. Right. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, they're going to, that's a Microsoft product. They're going to bring out HoloLens. So I'm kind of looking forward to them bringing that out. And then like, we'll be playing Minecraft together. Yeah. At, and I mean, okay, he's, almost certainly going to grow up bilingual because we just moved to Germany. Right. Uh, and we, myself and my wife speak German. But the, um, the uh, um, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be a translator. He, I don't know what he's going to be, but pirate at the moment is the most likely scenario for him. Pirate? But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but you know, I, I'm, I'm actually very optimistic. Um, you know, like the, talking about like saying machine translation takes away translator jobs is a bit like saying that bicycles took away postman jobs. Mm, right, right, right. Bicycles are technology too, right? You just get more letters post delivered per day, and yeah. it's a it's a it's a dumb idea to use a bicycle. I don't know. I'm going to say San Francisco, but you know, imagine like a, a village with like really really steep hills. Don't use mm. a bicycle in that village because uh, it's not the appropriate technology for that village, right? Right. Um, well, yeah. and, uh, and, you know, like, uh, the translation industry is growing a lot too. So, um, I mean, there's more translation work to be done. So if something makes us more, more productive, uh, I don't yeah. think we're going to run out of work because the, you know, the yeah, yeah. world is so global that it's just going to fill in any of the gaps. There's a, there's a famous example, um, that I studied way back when, uh, oops, there's a famous example that I studied way back when about um, the Los Angeles freeways. And it's like the classic example. So like it, it was the 1970s 
and uh, they had a traffic problem in Los Angeles, right? And they're like, man, we have got to solve this traffic problem. And, you know, the city was like, let's solve this once and for all. So they built, um, you know, like a gazillion freeways, you know, the the ones that you see in the movies and stuff with like eight lanes and all that. And and actually it didn't solve the traffic problem at all. People just drove more. (laughs) I love this example. Yeah, I I actually remember when I was younger, I was on a train going down to my hometown with two girls from L.A. and... They were on a train for the first time. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a strange experience for for an American or a U- USAnian. Um, yeah, the first time I took a train too, I was like, "Whoa!" You know, <laughs> I was twenty and I was in London and I was going to Brussels on the you know under the channel and I was like, "Wow!" And then I fell asleep. Wow. Uh, cool, cool. So I think we covered um, a lot of ground here. Um, we covered the the neural machine translation. We covered Lilt pretty good too. Um, you know, if if translators are curious, they can they can sign up and give it a try. Yeah, Lilt dot com, L I L T dot com. Right, right. We covered uh, translation prices. We covered productivity. Um, I, I just want, I think the last topic, um, is good to come back to cause we, I don't know if you know Richard Brooks with K International. I do. I met Richard in Dublin at Lockworld. Um, we had a stand actually for Transviral and, yeah. and I met him at the stand. Yeah. 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 He's cool. He's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. He's a nice guy. And, uh, we were talking about I know his brother better actually. What's <laughs> that? I know his brother better cause he spends an evening at a bar. <laughs> ah, okay. Okay. The, the Brooks brothers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, right, so like in the podcast, we talked about uh, translation prices and how to uh, how to sell translations. And we just mentioned that, you know, prices have been flat for a long time. And then we also mentioned that example of the telecom that didn't realize that translation costed that much and had their freak out, which is, you know, all too common. And uh, and I and I think it's good for for translators and anybody who's listening just to kind of go back into that conversation about um, how to sell the value of the translation work and because it connects you to yeah. a business, it connects them to a new market, it opens up a whole bunch of new sales for them, and uh, instead of you know language instead of being seen as kind of a of a block or a hurdle that they have to get over, you know, and translation is kind of this. Uh, this expense, you know, it's, uh, it, it would be good for translators and agencies and everybody who's selling translations to, to really sell it as a tool, you know, like this is your tool to get into this new market and it's not as hard as it looks. Um, yeah. you know, you use this tool, you enter the market, you have uh, more sales and it's like, yeah, okay. You, uh, you paid money for your translation, but it was an investment yes. and, uh, yeah. and you hopefully what's that? The utility of the translation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the utility. And, you know, I mentioned that in this article that I wrote, which I don't know if it'll ever get published. I guess I'll publish it somewhere. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like focusing on the, in Marxian terms, terms uh, kind of on the use value of yeah. the of the thing instead of the, the price, per se. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, one thing that I got from talking to that lady I was, had lunch with yesterday Um the um sorry one second <laughs> that's okay i'll edit that right our, out our, our future, future pirate <laughs> yeah yeah it's cool <laughs> yeah so um yeah so okay so we better jump back in so um 
so what was I talking about? So um, yeah, so the 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 lunch I had with so I was um, talking to this uh, translator that lives two streets down, and and um, I, I don't want to hazard a guess at her age in case she's listening <laughs> and says I'm being rude, um, but she's certainly older than I am. I'm forty two, and you know she, she's she's she said she almost never works with agencies anymore. That um, was pretty hazardous already, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, and I think that's cool. Like, I think if you're, I think if you're in the business for a long time, and if you're able to find um, some direct clients, the problem with direct clients is that, in my experience, they can be a bit hit and miss in terms of like feast and famine. Yeah. Um, and uh, so agencies kind of flatten that out for you a little bit as a translator, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but um, yeah, and the other, and then whenever people talk about that i always refer them to tess witty's podcast as well marketing for translators right i think right. that's i think that's really really i've listened to every one of those I, you know I, it's just um it's it's really good to hear from people who who have been successful at you know building their own translation business as a translator and to hear the things that didn't work and you know um the little the little tricks that do work, you know, simple things like having a, a basic website is useful. <laughs> totally, totally. And that's uh, her website's marketingtipsfortranslators.com, right? Uh, I think it is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but if you type, yeah, if you type that in in Google, you'll definitely Yeah, get it. yeah, they'll find yeah. it. Cool. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I like her podcast too. Yeah, that's uh, for the listeners out there. So check out lilt.com, check out marketing tips for translators, check out Google Neural Machine Translation so that you can read the clickbait. And uh, those are the three things to do. <laughs> All right. Okay, so let's wrap it up then. So uh, thanks for, for coming on the show. Um, I, I, I'm just fascinated with, uh, with these technologies and, and you know, how they're going to change things for translators. Zingword uh, is, is officially uh, neutral <laughs> on the subject um we are not uh you know proclaiming any anything in particular but we are very curious here and uh and that was a really nice conversation cool thanks for asking me Robert. yeah fun. yeah you can come on anytime thank you thank anytime you, you want anytime there's a big uh a couple bumps in a blue score then uh, then you can you should totally come on well we'll have neural next year for loop so definitely <laughs> awesome so we'll do it then all right. Okay. Thanks for Good. coming on. Thanks. That's right. Bye. Bye, John. <laughs>